I feel pretty good about myself today. Certainly I have my hiccups because the committee's never going away and I have to <laughs> be uh, tuned for the language and ready to reach out to my peeps when I'm in trouble. And I do. There is always help available. And if you can't find it from a local sliding scale place, just keep calling your your company may have an employee assistance plan. Don't be afraid to reach out. Someone's always going to be there. It starts right here. Deep in your heart. Start right here. Oh, that's where it starts. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most? It starts right here. It starts right here, deep in your heart. I'm Tom Rutledge. Alan is with me, Alan Berger, doc, the good Dr. Alan Berger. Good to see you always. The doctor is in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and we have two uh, guests that we're, we're all excited about today because we, these are people that we know. Uh, I, I, we know them well, I think, or I feel like I know them both well. Uh, and I'm going to let them talk about themselves a little bit, but, but it's, we have, uh, and I, and I'm not even sure how we're doing this because we know them through support systems. So I'm just going to use their first names and they, we, they can decide if they want to use their last names or not, but Carol and Craig are with us and, and they're the names that came up for us when we first started thinking about just wanting to talk with people about and talk to our audience about, uh, not just ha the importance of having a support system, but as you know, you and I, Alan, are always doing is talking about how you know concepts don't do us a damn bit of good unless we unless we translate them into practice, and and I and that's that's such a big part of what we do, and I personally think, uh, and I want you guys to know, Carol and, and and Craig, I want you to know we're not this does not carry any expectation of perfection or or you know, high, you know whatever. It's like there's there's not it, we're all imperfect, but I see you both as people from what I know about you as people who really do uh, walk the walk when it comes to support system and understand the value of it and have experienced, have pro probably experienced the, the problems of lack of support system in your lives and, and then the difference with that, with having support system that you put into practice. So that's, that's what, that's what I hope we're going to be talking about today. And, and, uh, and whatever. Hey, Tom, what Tom, read this sign behind me, read, read the sign behind me real quick. Mm -hmm. I get by with a little help from my friends. That's what we're talking about. Today. That's it. Perfect. It really is. Is this idea that, you know, we can do what I can't do. Right. It's a, we can do. Say that again. Oh, that, that's great. Say it to me. We can do what I can't do alone. And, and we're not abdicating any personal responsibility here. We're mm. saying it's my job to reach out and to create that support system in my life and to be able to utilize it. You know, I've been going through some stuff lately. You've been part of that for me. You know, I've reached out <laughs> to you and gotten feedback from you and, and some input on a letter I wanted to put together and stuff like that. And it's, it's so helpful because I'm not trudging that road alone. Right. And, 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 and it's like, and when you said it's, we're not advocating responsibility, it is exactly the opposite because one of the things that, you know, people, people who think they want to early in recovery, especially they want to be independent, but what they end up being is what is really counterdependent, which is really a phobic response to dependency. Exactly right. And, and this interdependent is, is what we're talking about. And for those of us who are, are challenged with humility, which, uh, you know, we've, you and I've talked about a lot in our own lives and, 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 and something we talk about on the Thursday night meeting all the time is that how the, the essential, the essential nature of humility is th that it takes guts to, to reach out. 
it takes guts to be to be humble enough to to be able to say i i can use some input here it's like you know we're letting go of thinking that we're supposed to have all the answers if i was in my office one of the ways i describe that to people is i'll pull a chair out and i and i will i will lean fully into the chair so that i'm i'm you know i'm at a you know about a 45 degree angle and i'm saying okay this is what we're afraid of we're afraid of being so dependent that if you pull that chair out from under me i'm going face first down uh, and and a lot of times we're afraid of that for good reason because we've related that way that's the way i related for you you know that's you know times that if you said would you ever was there ever a period where you were out of a out of having a primary relationship i would say yes but it was really just me falling from one chair to the next it really you know the gravity was always pulling me down and then I'll say what we end up doing very often in response to that is, and then I stand up beside the chair, just, just as straight as I possibly can with my hands to my side and say, this is what I say, like, okay, now I'm not dependent. It's like, but what happens is I don't have any support. It's like, so if something comes along and hits me, bumps me, whatever, I don't have that. So the, the, the middle ground is that place where I, I find a position where I am leaning in on that chair, hold, you know, but, but and yet my, my, uh, my, posture is still in a place where uh, I always say like I'm a, a weeble I'm a, I wobble but I don't fall down you know and it's like uh, and that's the deal it's, it's like to be able and I and, I, and I'll, I'll take that a little bit farther and I'll say to people it's like we're not talking about no dependency because because a lot of times we think you know it's, it's sort of like people thinking that that recovery uh, recovery from taking things personally means we don't give a shit what anybody thinks it's like well no that's not what it is it's, it's that we don't we don't give everybody the power but but the idea you know so i'll use i'll use the example of my my marriage i'll say i'll, I'll lean into this chair and i'll say now you know i lean pretty far into my into my marriage and if you if something happened to it if it was gone i would stumble all over the place but what I wouldn't do that I did at the end of my first marriage is I wouldn't fall all the way down. I yes. would, you know, I would, I would still have enough footing to be able to, to get, to get to some more support. But that also takes me knowing that, and this is one of the things I, I know we'll talk about, cause I'm going to emphasize it today is that we must have, when we're talking about support, we must have depth on the bench. Yes. We, you know, the, having one person in your support system and calling it a support system is not what it's about, but counterdependence. What you had asked me about is just—it's really—and and, and most people can identify with a part of them that have that. It's just the fear of dependence, and it's the fear of—it's um, you know—it's protective. It's fear of being hurt. It's the fear of being sometimes for those of us you know who are have our little ego things going on. It's the fear of being found out. You know that they're oh you're going to realize you realize that you know how flawed I am. So, you know, of course, what we say to people who come into the rooms of support is we already know how flawed you are because you're just as flawed as we are. Well, this is, I think, where we ask Carol and, and Greg to share some of their experience yeah. around this, and then we'll all kind of chat it up together. Interesting. You should talk about how um, if a marriage fell apart, you would not just crumble to the floor. That was sort of the beginning of my journey. I had sort of an investigative journey in psychology a few years before my marriage dissolved. But when it did dissolve, um, I had no sense of self. I had no direction. Um, I have come to recently learn about all of the unrealistic expectations I had placed on him to help define me. And uh, so there's been uh, even more positive release from that relationship these decades later, just realizing man, we were two ignorant little kids who just didn't have a clue. And that's, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. But I, um, I'm, I'm grateful that it started a journey because um, I really came out of the house with no sense of definition as a kid. And I, um, you know, had depression I worked through. And, you know, the, skipping through to just this past year, which I think is such a powerful year for all of us, We've had like death at the door, <laughs> literally. Many of us have lost friends to various things over the year. Um, I had an injury early last year and suddenly my um, shift of needing others changed and humility really, when you're injured and need others to take care of your body, you embrace humility pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. I'd say this last year has been a great teacher. I know I segued about 45 years there, but um, uh, through the years, I 
uh, I'm a compulsive overeater, workaholic, and codependent. And uh, so I've been in uh, working on those things for several years. Um, I've had therapists and friends and groups that I've been in. And speaking of um, therapy and support, don't feel like you have to stay with someone if they're not right for you in the therapy world. Uh, my first therapist uh, hit on me. My, uh, I had another therapist about four in who was a toxic narcissist and I left her company. So we have to take care of ourselves and trust ourselves in those environments where we're willing to be vulnerable because it may not be exactly what we think and keep an, you know, an ear out for countertransference and something that feels funny. Um, well, we and that may be, that also may be a place where we need additional support from our from our friends and, and other connections too. But when yes. we're trying to make a judgment like that, because that can be really difficult when we're uh, you know because we do tend to give some power away to a a, a, a a therapist you know just by by the nature of the the relationship. Yes. And so the idea sometimes we do need you know I've certainly talked pe to people through some of that before to go is this is this just is this something I'm missing you know in, in response people going, is this something I'm missing or is this something, you know, that's inappropriate by this therapist? I did have to go check it out with other people. Um, I did. And it was a very difficult thing. Um, it felt really bad. Um, but anyway, I made it through that. But we have to be careful of our support, but not so careful that we don't build a support bench. Um, um, yeah. One of the things that was fun for me is I started going to Tom's workshop workshops many years ago and stayed connected to the people I met in those workshops. Mm -hmm. And uh, we called ourselves the Nashville peeps. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have stayed very close as, as um, support systems to each other. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things we learned on the first night of a workshop is we may not know each other's details in life, but we know each other more intimately after one night of a workshop than we do our friends out in mm -hmm. the world. And mm -hmm. those bonds cannot be broken. They just can't. It's um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that intimate depth is still there. Uh, the things I learned about intrapersonal therapy from Tom has helped me really beat the, the committee when I'm um, under pressure. So that Tom has continued to be a support. Um, there have been times I've needed to process some things and uh, I've taken advantage of his um, uh, written um, journaling support where mm -hmm. I've written a night and Tom writes back and mm -hmm. um, has been very available and helped me process some stuff so I could make some decisions. Um, but this year, past year in particular, man, it was such an opportunity to just stay in the cave and hide. And we had, I had to make a decision that that was, you know, that was going to kill me. And I, mm -hmm. I am so grateful for the emotional sobriety meetings it stayed, helped me stay connected to other people. Um, I am grateful for the podcasts. I am grateful to my friends I've stayed in touch with. I'm grateful to the friends I reached out to who helped me process my injury. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I've stayed with a really good therapist for a long time too. So even though, you know, I'm 70 years old, I still have a therapist friend who that I can tweak things with, because if I just depend on me, I'm only getting my point of view. And um, I already know that's kind of screwed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't mean it in a self-deprecating well, way. It's, either, well, no, it's, 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 you know, it, it's by definition biased. You know? Exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I learned nothing if I'm looking at the mirror, right? right. So I need a, so anyway, that's. Oh, no, you, you brought up a couple of really important points, Carol. I mean, you know, I, I'm a member of the American Psychological Association. We get a monthly um, magazine called The Monitor where they talk about any recent, you know, um, studies that have been done that are relative to the practice of psychology and just in general. And a lot of these things have been on misinformation and now COVID and the effects of all of this. And, and you know, the, the data is coming in real strong right now is that this last year or so has made, has really you know, created a toll for people in yes. terms of their mental health. 
and that we've got more people going to therapy than we've ever had before. We have more suicides than we've ever had. Alcoholism, drug abuse is, I mean, through the roof. People are relapsing in the program. I mean, it's been a mm -hmm. real trying and challenging year for all of the, the reasons that you talked about. So, you know, it, it's true is that when we started that emotional sobriety meeting and, and Tom put on and I put up all these Vimeos before that on mm -hmm. how yes. COVID, we mm -hmm. just sensed that this was going to be an incredible challenge for, for our nation in terms of being able to deal with it. And it has. Well, we had no idea how long that was going to last. I mean, I'm getting ready. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting ready to see the first client I've seen in person next week that I've seen in person in over a year. Um, I, I just got my first haircut in over in 14 months. Uh, you know, these, these things. Uh, but um, it's, yeah, we had no idea what was coming. And, and it's like, it's one of the things I'm noticing is I'm sitting here looking at, the, at my gallery view as we're talking, we're doing our remote interview here is the five of us, Patrick and, and you and me, Alan and Carol and Craig. I, I realize I feel, I feel a, talking about support. I feel a bond with, with this group of five people uh, because, because we have shared that, uh, you know, cause you know, I have other relationships with the, the with you, Alan and with, with Carol, but the five of us have shared that Thursday night meeting and, and thank you, Alan, for, for, for having, having either having the, the, the insight or just the wild luck to know that that was the thing to do, whatever what it was. And thank, you know, it's like, we have watched that thing grow. I have never, I would have never imagined it would be what it is today. Uh, as many people has come when, you know, I always hesitate to tell people how many people are show up there because I think, I know people immediately think, well, that's too many and we can't, you know, and go like, I don't know how it works. You know, this is one of those things where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's like, I don't know how that, how that meeting feels so intimate, but it does. And I feel the connection to you guys because we share that together. And we're having breakthroughs in there. You can mm -hmm, have a mm -hmm. shitty, scary, terrifying year and continue to grow. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. It's a safe place for us to test out stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Tom, you had this great line when this thing started is that we are all in a, a what do you call it? A, we're all doing a, a big retreat, right? <laughs> As organically, I think it really has become that. And it's like, and I, and I really do believe that when we talk about, you talk about you know, what we read, you know, about, about, and, and hear about among in the communities, uh, relapse and difficult times like that. But I think it is what Carol said. It's like, you know, you know, everything, everything is, you know, you and I've talked about this from the very beginning of this, Alan, and that, that is the positive opportunism. You know, I started writing about positive opportunism right after 9-11, you know, attacks and, and saying, okay, that's, that's living your life according to the question, how can I use this crappy situation to become a better person? Yeah. And, and it's like, and the, the cool thing about this is, no, as I sit there, I mean, Alan, yours, you, you and I have been working together for 10 years doing these workshops but that we do, but we, we do them, you know, every couple of years. It's like, you know, my, my relationship with you and, and with Patrick now because, because through you and, and, uh, and more with Carol and, and meeting Craig. I mean, all of this, I feel tremendous gratitude for that because I, because, and, and I don't, you know, and I don't wish the, the horrible things that have happened to people on anybody. And if we, you know, but I don't, you know, don't think we have time travel set up yet. So I'm, I'm choosing to be very grateful that I'm sitting here talking to, to, to all of you and seeing your faces on the screen. And um, yeah, with that, why don't you throw your hat in the ring there, Craig? We're, we're, <laughs> okay. Oh, I, know, I, I think I know this about you. You're not, you're not the most likely guy to interrupt every, everybody and say, why don't y'all shut up for a minute? And let me, let me say something. Oh, and I just wanted to add real quick uh, that part of the reason that uh, Patrick is that kind of guy, by the way, I just <laughs> yes, want to point that right. out. <laughs> part of the reason that some of us may not have been knocked completely asunder of uh, during COVID is because we already had a relationship with, a support system and uh, mental health resources. And I think that going into this, you know, we'd already kind of been in a degree of trouble separate from the pandemic yes. that we were then able to draw upon uh, yes. as we moved through it. So something talk about, it, talk about testing the system, huh? Yeah. Wow, guys. Uh, wow. This is uh this is kind of surreal moment for me. So um, I'm a crier. Okay. So uh, 
about two years ago or so, I started listening to a show called The Money Man, and um, I heard mm-hmm. Dr. Berger on there talking about emotional sobriety, and I was like, wow. I'm on to something here. So I started following him. And ever since then, I've been keeping my ears close to everything that he shared. And that went into the emotional sobriety meeting that we have on Thursday nights. And uh, man, I've just gotten so much support emotionally out of this uh, from attending these meetings every week and listening to everybody share. And uh, so up until now, I was pulling out all the stops because I'm real anxious, fear. I've been embracing fear. I've been trying to stay emotionally grounded and all the everything, you know, mm-hmm. up to this point. And uh, with the support of you guys and remembering and listening to what you guys share in the meeting has it has been definitely helpful to me. And Tom, a couple of weeks ago, you shared in the on the last podcast, you said. Mm-hmm. We're going to have two guests from our support group. And I was thinking to myself, oh, wonder who that's going to be. <laughs> so I did. And then I got a, I got an email from um, Patrick. I was like, shit. Oh, oh OK. Oh, you, All right. oh, when I said that, you didn't you didn't know. <laughs> I did not. I did not know. And uh, I was like, oh, so I must be like the last guy on the list. Oh, well, I guess we got to go with this Craig guy. But no, it's great. Um, it's, yeah, it's, see, you, you apparently yeah. we're in the you can hear the meeting. Yeah. We go like, well, do we call Craig or not? I don't know. It's <laughs> right. like, well, all right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why not? No, so I mean, it. Craig, that's yeah. you're, I mean, you're. This is one of the reasons I th- thought about you with this is 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 just in you, and I can't remember your exact words that you just said, but it, you it was in the way you said this. I'm always I'm an English major who's, who accidentally became a therapist, so so I always listen to just people's uh, language and and you, you really you don't talk about support without some reference to applying it. It pays off. It does. And I'm so grateful, you know, that I'm, that I'm on doing this deal. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I've, I've been sober a little over four and a half years and uh, I, I'm, I'm still really raw. I mean, my emotion, I'm just learning how to control my emotions and stay emotionally grounded and all that stuff with the support of mm-hmm. you guys. And mm-hmm. I think my support system, you know, the guys that I talk to on a daily basis, the meetings I go to, I think it all starts with honesty for me. You know, I got to be honest with, my sponsor with my, you know, the good friendships that I've formed in this deal, this meetings and stuff like that. And man, it's just, and sometimes I just want to tap out, you know, I just, my, my, my mind just like, God, oh, give up. You got to go. But I know if I pain, what, what's the saying you don't, there's no growth if, you know, you don't work mm-hmm. through the pain or whatever, however it goes. But uh, yeah, just extremely grateful that, uh, I'm sitting here with you, with mm-hmm. all of you right now yeah, in this yeah. meeting. This is great. Well, I mean, just I appreciate what you're saying, and, and, I, and I think about that in terms of anyone who's listening to, to you know, to norm to normalize this stuff. It's, it's too easy to to compare. You know, the old thing in AA was always compare and despair. You know, so you hear people talking about how this stuff works, and you're doing that, and you think, well, that's that's them, not me. But no, I I appreciate, and I think it's so important that that we're able to talk about things in the, in, you know, in, in, in the present tense. I mean, when you talk, you know, you didn't say, Oh, years ago, a long time ago, I used to want to just tap out. One of my things I've noticed through the years is that when you first connect with somebody that you feel like you can trust, it, it sometimes is easier to be totally honest with them than a little bit later down the line when you and the change is you now know the person, they know you and you care what they think. And then you hit, hit another place where it's harder to be honest because I'm afraid now, now I feel like I have some, now I'm leaning in too far on that chair and I feel like there's something to lose here, but I need to do this. And of course the reward is beautiful because yeah. you're not going to get judged. You're not going to get rejected, but it's hard as hell once you care. I, I got to tell you, since you brought that up last week, mm-hmm. the conversations with my patients this week have been very interesting. They all listen to that. And then oh, you say, yeah. so I got to tell you the stuff I'm not been honest with you. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> of course, then I just got mad and angry at all of them and started yelling at them and shame them and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I said, I didn't do that. Of how course. dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you trusted me. <laughs> I, I must be a horrible therapist. <laughs> it, was a ve- it was very, very good conversation mm. because it keeps things fresh and 
you know, I was going to go back to something that, that you said, Carol, too, that I just wanted to bring up to people. You know, they're, they're, one of the things that, that some people have experimented with is to help kind of give people an idea of how to get the most out of therapy. It's, it's this literature is called the indoctrination literature. It sounds a little too Gestapo for me. But, <laughs> really? but, but what it is, it's, it's if we can teach people on how to get the most out of therapy and what to do if a conflict arises. Because a lot of people don't, first of all, a lot of people are just new coming to therapy. They're virgins. They've never had the experience. And they, they, they create that one up, one down relationship with a therapist, right? This is the authority and stuff like that. And I know the kind of therapy I practice and the kind Tom does is we want to level it out. I mean, we don't want this one up, one down thing. We want it much more like this, right? I to mm -hmm. thou, right? That's what we strive for. Well, we, we, we don't stick to, to pedestals very well, Alan. No, we, we, we both fall off easily. <laughs> It does hurt. We've fallen several <laughs> times. We got bumps all over our heads. That's right. <laughs> That's good. Bro. Could you explain <laughs> that? Could you explain that uh, you kind of made a motion with your hands? Where yeah, what like... I was just leveling it out. It's this I to thou thing. It's leveling the relationship. There's an imbalance in the position of power, theoretically. Yeah, that's right. And so it's to... like a teacher, student, a boss, yeah. a parent, child. Um, and so yeah. when this person trespassed with my, my first therapist trespassed, it felt very incestuous. There was something um, parental about that action and inappropriate because of the imbalance of power. Yes. My current therapist relationship and my relationship with Tom. Were you able to talk about that, Carol, with the therapist? Were you able to bring it up or did you feel so unsafe? I got know? another therapist and reported him at the place. Yeah. I went to a mental health, mental retardation center that was scaled on, on what you could afford to pay because at that point I had not only been left, but I had no money. I mean, the money was spent before he left. So um, I went where I could get mental health on the cheap. So um, when this happened, I took a, a few days, processed it. And I will not suggest for a minute that I didn't think it was wonderful for a minute. I did. Of course. I did. It was heady. It was wonderful because someone had just rejected me. And here's this powerful person hitting on me. But I, my gut was going, you know, <laughs> danger, Will Robinson. And so I stepped back and I processed it, went back to the MHMR center, reported it to another therapist and said, I need your help. And uh, she said, I'm going to have to report it. I said, yes, we did go back and talk about it because he met with me one time, said he had talked to his therapist and his therapist said it was not that big a deal. And at that point, I realized, you know, narcissistic jerk, <laughs> you know, and I was already out of there. We just had one wrap up meeting and I started with this. Oh, woman. so look, that's where it wasn't safe is that if the person would have looked at it and said, hey, you know, this is what went on. And I realized I made a mistake or something sure. like that then it's a different deal. But see, that's the measure for me is that yeah. when you go back is how does the therapist, you know, deal with it with some humility and entertain the possibility except, of, except responsibility. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, Tom and I talk about all the time is that, you know, those moments in therapy where we've made mistakes, if they're managed right, and if people can come back and confront us on things and find the courage to do that mm -hmm. can be incredibly important moments for not only for the person who's in therapy, but for the therapist's growth. It's an intimate relationship. Both people are affected. So yes, that yeah. should happen. And, yeah. you know, and, and the problem is in the field, and Tom and I are so big on this, is we're all so focused on doing the right thing all the time. Nobody wants to talk about the mistakes. And that's why we wanted to do that video, therapists who don't get it. Therapists <laughs> who missed the point. We're, I think we're going to do that. I think we're going to do that. We're going to record yeah. this whole thing because, because it's so important to see, to get a sense that, my God, we're human first. We're not therapists first. We're human. And we're going to make mistakes and stuff like that. So I just wanted to go back to that because I sure. think, what you're talking about is, see, that's one of the things, if, if I was doing that, and I did write a pamphlet on how to do this for group therapy, is to indoctrinate people on how to go into a group, how to use the group, 
you know, what are the ways of approaching this so you're going to get the most out of it? But they've done the same thing with psychotherapy. And they do find that when people have an idea of go ahead, it's, it's important to talk to the therapist about if something happened that made you uncomfortable, or if you felt the therapist wasn't getting something that was important to you and they were missing the point, or you feel like you're just not a good fit. That's important to talk over because if you, you're not a good fit, it might be the wrong therapist for you. But all of that stuff is really coming to the foreground in psychotherapy now because our focus is finally getting around to what they call practice-based evidence instead of evidence-based practice, mm -hmm. is that we are learning now to, at the end of a session, this, this is what uh, Dr. Scott Miller and um, Barry Duncan and a bunch of other people have done. They come in the, at the end of a session with four questions, and there are questions like, did you feel like you got a chance to talk about what you wanted to in the therapy today? Did you feel like the therapist really picked up and understood what you were saying and understood the importance of the issue? Did you feel like you were a good fit with the, with the therapist? And there was one other one that just skips my mind, but you see everything's around. What is the experience like with that therapist in the moment? Cause that's where the healing takes place. Exactly. Um, the for, the fourth a, question, fourth question for me would be, did you have a good time? That's, that would, uh, that's what, that's what, that's what I'll, I'll often, I'll often ask clients at the end of the <laughs> session. And uh, this is, did you have fun today? Cause I did. And, and uh, that, that's when they'll look at me like we may not be really a good fit. <laughs> so, well, I had a couple of questions for Craig. Uh, first one was uh, four and a half years in, how does it feel recovery? And then uh, number two, uh, what does your support system look like? I mean, and that could be inside and outside of kind of your traditional mental health circles. Oh, wow. So uh, four and a half years in, I'm, oh man, I feel so green, you know, it's, I mean, all this. So, so just from stuffing all the emotions and everything down for so long and taught not to feel and how to feel and all that stuff. And now all of this stuff is coming up to the top. It's, 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 it's painful to say, you know, to say the least, it's very painful to experience and learn how to, you know, I'm learning how to love another person for the first time in my life because of the childhood trauma, the, you know, the lack of attachment to caregivers and all that stuff. So, all this is brand new for me and um, the support that I'm getting through sharing my feelings with, you know, my sponsor, my good friends in, you know, the program and, uh, and even being honest with, you know, my family, you know, and how I feel and stuff like that is, you know, I, and I, I started, my dad is like old school, like um, doesn't say I love you or anything like that. So recently I started, telling them that I love him and um, he's been grunting it out. I love you too, kind of thing. So, so <laughs> I love that, Craig. That's oh my so goodness. cool. It, he, mean, bar he barks, right? He barks back. Love you too. Out. Love you too. And they'll hang up, you know, just real quick and short. And, and, and man, I, it's something that I would never, ever think that I'd be doing today, you know, and the support that I get from having a relationship with him today and, Oh, let, yeah, let me just, tell you. Let me let me tell you this, Craig. And and, and I'm and, and I'm, I'm I'm this. I believe if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I'm just pulling this out of my ass because I'm not a parent. I don't know. I haven't had that experience. But I'm telling you, as an old guy, that you're doing your as a fellow old guy with your dad. It's like you're doing your dad a favor. He's doing a beautiful thing because 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 you know what? It's like if he drops off the face of the earth tomorrow, he cannot have the regret that he never said that to you. It's yeah. like you you challenge him to step up and do that, and and it's like. Uh, and I promise you, if he didn't love you, he, he would find some other th thing to say while he was barking. Right. You, know, yeah. you, haven't, you haven't challenged him to love you. You've challenged him to actually just say it, yeah. admit it. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. I mean, you know, I even, even I, you know, have to bark it out, too, you know, before we hang up, because I'll feel, be feeling a little nervous or something or whatever it is. But, uh, yeah, just the action, you know, you know, just, you know, I get support from taking the action. I love it's it. It's great. Mm. That's really beautiful. It is. I, I love Thanks, that. It's, yeah. Yeah. And it's also, it also is about, it's, 
you know, I mean, I don't know where this fits into the, the, the theme of support, but it's like, it's all connected in there. We talk often about the ripple effect that we have as human beings. All of us have its ripple effect, but we certainly, we are, we become aware of that ripple effect, but that's, that's Craig. That's, that's a description, an image of, of Craig's ripple effect of his own recovery where, I mean, the, the thing is we know that we hear that, you know, the, those of us who have addiction and, and what, you know, whatever brand of this stuff we have, that's, that it's a, it's a toxic, uh, toxic uh, illness. It's a, it's a family disease. It's a community community disease and other people we know from looking at work, work in the steps that we know that we, that, that we have um, negatively influenced and impacted other people in our lives. But what we, I think the harder challenge is to look at our recovery to see how that, how that is happening in a positive way now. And that's a beautiful example of just Craig's, you know, that's not, that's not Craig going saying, I'm going to go save my dad. That's just Craig living his recovery you know, and it's, and it expands it, it, you know, this it's recovery's contagious too. I had to let go of my sponsor, uh, recently, uh, after a long, uh, period of trepidation, just because of, uh, he was playing it pretty fast and loose with the COVID, um, safety. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you know, I'll confess that I, um, didn't call him on it. I just, uh, kind of made an excuse and dropped him and I've got a new one now and I'm, uh, second weekend and it's pretty cool. Uh, I really like it, but, uh, that was an adjustment I had to make in my support, um, program, I guess. Well, it is hard, isn't it though, to mm -hmm. confront someone. See, I think that that's part of the thing to, to pay attention to Patrick is these things are challenging and, you know, cause you know, a lot of times what happens is, and I, you know, you tell us what made it hard for you, but it's, you don't want to hurt the person's feelings. For oh yeah. I love them. You know, I didn't want to criticize them. Yeah. Of course. And, and, and look, and you know, so part of that is, is our stuff. Part of that is it's hard for people to hear that. I mean, I can't tell you how many sponsors when they're confronted with that stuff, go ahead and make their sponsees wrong. Well, you really don't want to get well or. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, but I also love the fact, Patrick, that, that you didn't let your discomfort uh, even, you know, I, I love the, I love the imperfection that you, that you show in that. It's like, like you, 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 you include in that owning with us and recovery. I didn't confront and confront that, but you didn't let that stop you from taking care of yourself. That's right. Because, because boy, I think we probably, I, I can think of some examples in my life where we're just because of my discomfort, I didn't take care of myself, you know, because I didn't want to, because yeah. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to upset somebody else. I didn't want somebody to, to judge me, whatever that is, but it's like, it's so good for you for doing that. Yeah. I love that. I love that song that you sing Carol at the end of the meeting on Thursday nights about mm -hmm. putting one shaky foot in front of the other. And, you know, that's what I've been doing. And I draw strength off of that. And I'll think of, I'll think of that, you know, analogy, putting one shaky foot in front of the other. And it's, that's been so true in my recovery because every step I've taken and it's all, Oh my goodness. It's like, it's, it seems like I've been gutting me, but I, I'm still taking the action and it's paying off, paying dividends for my life for sure. Carol, I feel like we could almost do a whole episode about, um, you know, you trying to get uh, a program together and seek mental health resources whilst broke. You know, um, Alan has talked about this drive we have inside and I had already had like a seven year running start on just the, um, dance with mystery of learning our psyche. So I had been studying Jungian psychology and uh, had enjoyed mythology and some things. So I already had some inner world, inner dialogue going with myself. But when that happened, um, and I also did a lot of dream work and I, I had this dream when he left that where this little bird was raised up in the sky and dropped from the height of two tall trees and a crowd gathered around and this doctor came and parted the crowd and put his stethoscope on the little bird and everything was quiet for a minute. And he stood up and said, she lives. Wow. And I knew that even though I had been dropped from the height of two tall trees, I was somehow gonna make it through this. And I had to figure out how. And my first thought was I need help. And so I contacted a local mental health, mental retardation center and got help on a sliding scale. I made $40. I went from a parade of homes home to 
too much to get welfare overnight. Every bite of food we put in our mouths for two years was on borrowed money. Now I mm -hmm. overcame that obviously, mm -hmm. but it was a crawl. It was a crawl. I built the understanding internally of who I am. I feel pretty good about myself today. Certainly I have my hiccups because the committee's never going away and I have to be uh, tuned for the language and ready to reach out to my peeps when I'm in trouble. And I do. There is always help available. And if you can't find it from a local sliding scale place, just keep calling. Your, your company may have an employee assistance plan, which I have used when I, um, I had, was assaulted once. Um, between therapists immediately called my EAP said, I'm in trouble right now. I need help. And, uh, they helped me get going again with someone. So don't be afraid to reach out. Someone's always going to be there. Um, if you know a friend who's been in therapy, call them. Somebody saw me struggling with a family situation years ago and said, you know, I've got this really great therapist in Dallas. I think you'd like. She gave me her name and I've been with her ever since, mm -hmm. ever since. And that was from the year of the Katrina disaster. Wow. And two, uh, we've done no, really good work together. Yes, sir. Two things, two things, two things. One is I want to back up and just say about your dream with the bird that I would like to hire you to write my dreams for me. I would love that dream very much. I, there's a beautiful, 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 creative dream. It's not surprising that you came up with it. Um, but the other thing to, to echo what you're saying is, is um, you know, I, you know, I learned, I learned a long time ago as a therapist who gets paid for this stuff is that, that um, people, people who, who contact me uh, and their first thing that they say to me is, is, a, is a complaint that I'm too expensive or that they can't afford me. Uh, uh, well, I went through a period of time where it made me feel guilty immediately and that kind of stuff. But, but if that's, if that's, I mean, I'm talking about the first thing they say, they're not asking for help. They just say they're, 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 they're negotiating, you know, from the beginning of that. And it's like, like, you know, because, because, because that, you know, that, that can be worked around otherwise, but the person, the person I think about is the person that is an example for me is a woman, young woman who, who was, uh, had uh, just been released from prison. She was a getaway car driver, which I was, I told, I told her, I said, I'm very proud. I loved the fact that I had a getaway car driver from a, from a, from a robbery to, as a, as a, uh, as a client. I don't know. I felt that was gave me some prestige. Uh, 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 uh she, she, um, she got out of prison. She'd been there in prison for four years. She got out of prison. She, she, she came to the office. She did, she did the work. She showed up and it was like, and, and nothing stopped her. It's like, I mean, it's like, I mean, this, this woman just, I mean, I mean, the short, the short version of her story is she is now one of the works inside the correctional system is one of the best alcohol and drug counselors I've ever witnessed work. I mean, there's no, I mean, she's one of those people that if somebody looks at her and says, you don't understand, you know, yeah, you go, ah, shit, you just said that to the wrong girl, you know, <laughs> because that girl's been there and it's like, like, but it's, it's just that, that commitment to doing it and to keep looking in both of you guys are talking about again the depth on the bench thing it's like you you know it's it's like you can say you you know this didn't this didn't work out over here but that doesn't mean you stop no you know, you, you, you check things out and if there are there are, there are obstacles you can't do it then okay yeah. well, no, well no, I, I want to build on that in a minute but i want to mm -hmm. say something about your dream too carol so mm -hmm. i don't know what kind of work you did on that dream but as a gestalt therapist that we love dreams because yes. dreams, are, dreams are the royal road to integration, not to the yes. unconscious, but the integration. And so it's interesting. See, if I was working with your dream, I would have you play the doctor mm -hmm. and tell the dream from the doctor's point of view. Mm -hmm. So can you do that real quick? Let's play. Of course. With so, so I was in my yard and I noticed a commotion in the next yard and a crowd had gathered. And I had a little gate through the, uh, through the fence because we used to visit over the fence. So we put a gate in. I went into the next yard and I saw this crowd and the woman who lived there, I, I didn't see her in the crowd. The crowd parted and the woman who lived there was a little bird that had clearly been dropped from a great height. I heard people mumbling about they saw her. They saw a big bird come and get her, right. raise her into the sky and drop her. Right. And so I looked down and clearly she, this, she was dead. And yet something told me to check 
And so I asked the crowd to be quiet so I could hear. And I put the stethoscope on her chest and I closed my eyes and people barely were breathing while I checked. And finally I heard it. I heard her heartbeat and I knew she would survive. All right, now, so now dialogue with the bird. You're the doctor talking to the bird. So what do you want to say to the bird? You, you look like you're dead, but I heard something in you. Say it that way. Okay. Oh, sweetheart, I'm so glad to hear your heart beating. You looked like you were dead, but I want to assure you you're quite alive and you're going to make it. You really got shaken up. I'm sure the breath got knocked out of you. Yeah. And I'll keep this space around you, this safe, quiet space. While you come back to life, you're going to be fine. Okay, now be the burden answer. I'm so scared. It hurts so bad. I knew I would die from this. I, I think I died from this, but you're telling me I didn't. If I can hear you telling me that, I believe it's true. Okay, here we go. I, I'm scared though, but... It hurts really bad, but I'll do it. Okay. That was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Insane. Beautiful. So, so, so look, so what, what happened is, you yes. see, the doctor, the doctor was that part of you. Oh, um, yes, of course. You see yeah. that? It, well, it, I do know everybody in there is me. I'm even right. the crap. You can see it now when you talk about it, though. See, you were the part of you that had a faith in yourself that went beyond anything you realized. See, at that moment, you discovered something in you that you didn't even know about. That this I just person, did now, because I did not do that work then, and I thank you for that, Alan. No, but see, that's the beauty of that, of what your dream was, is that that was the part of you. I saved myself and recognized I was gonna make it. And that's what we heard, you what you did afterwards and going through that big period. I did it. I damn it. sure did it. And that was yeah. the part of you that saw that you could. See, that's the important thing. Is And it, I love how you said, and I, I'm going to hold this space yes. around you to make you safe so you can grow from this. So you oh, can my goodness. What a life. gift. <laughs> you see, so you can come back to life. And that's what you did. It was. It's just... Yeah. I got goosebumps in terms and of- And I'm still holding the space ferociously. Oh, I see yeah. that with you. And that's what Tom and I see. Just like Craig is, my God, he's doing the same thing. He's he is doing the same thing. And the same thing Craig's discovering in himself is that, see, that's that part that that really, you know, believes that we can be whole, that keeps moving us that way, that I keep yes. talking about. But the other thing I was going to say, Tom, um, I love the poster behind you, the Rambo one, right? Mm -hmm. you've got. Oh, and it's I, it's it's Rocky. It's not Rambo. It's Rocky. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, am I saying, Rambo? Yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. I watched that. I went and watched Rocky Balboa the other day. God, is it great? I, now there's that one line when he's talking about when you get hit hard. Mm -hmm. It's it's not it's not it's it's yes yeah, it's, it's not it's not how hard you hit it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. There that's it is. It. That, you it. Did, it was mm -hmm. right at Carol, right there. That mm -hmm. was the line. Mm -hmm. I, I went to that movie and I'm going to say mm -hmm. I want to see what it is that he's talking about, mm -hmm. and that's the line. Well, just and I can't do it alone. Yeah, yes, and that's, and that's what our theme is. I need right, Craig. Right. I need you guys. I need Patrick. I need mm -hmm. all of us mm -hmm. and in our community, that is that safe space we are holding mm -hmm. for each other and ourselves. And I'm so mm -hmm. grateful for that. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, Alan, I want to tell you that that, that speech that, that, that Sylvester Stallone wrote for that movie is, is, uh, and, and, and I don't care if you, if, if, you, if anybody's given up on Rocky for after, you know, after Rocky three and then four and five, forget those guys. If you love the original best picture, Rocky, go see Rocky Balboa because it is the perfect bookend. It's done. It's filmed in the exact same way, the same lighting, the same feel of the whole thing. And my favorite, and that, that speech is on a poster that I've given to several people to, to the years It's but, but my favorite line is when he gets in the ring in the final fight with the young guy and the guy says, you're crazy, you're a crazy old man. And, 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 and Rocky says, you'll get there. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it's a movie about aging, and it's a beautiful movie about aging, and, and it's it's you know it's it so good. 
I just got done watching, well, just before the meeting, uh, this podcast, I just finished uh, Saving Private Ryan. And uh, as you know, Private Ryan gets saved and all three of his brothers die. And at the mm-hmm. end of the movie, he's standing there at the graveside of Captain Miller. And uh, as he told him to go earn it, you know, and he, behind him, you see his family and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was it was probably it was so emotional. I was like, man, oh, so man. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. So you've been, well, cool. Craig, you've been in therapy today. If you watch <laughs> private, David Prabhupada, right? that, that, that's not entertainment. That's deep, yeah. deep work to, to watch yeah. a movie like that. And that one in particular, it's yeah, and, and emotional. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I want to, I want to continue the, the sort of the segue to the, back to the topic too, with, with what Carol said is one of the things I noticed in that dream too, is, is you, it's intra, you know, you know me, I'm always thinking in terms of yes. how the intrapersonal, you know, really is so much like the interpersonal and that and your intrapersonal support system is all in there including the people around who actually will will be quiet who will will make room and be quiet when the doctor says you know be quiet because 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 the doc the, the doctor said they were barely breathing I mean, you couldn't have, I mean, you should write this down the way you, as much as you can remember this is, well, it was it's so recorded. Be- I've got it. Oh, oh that's right. It's it, oh, good point. It's like, um, um, shows my technological know-how it's, but, but the idea is, I mean, yeah, the, the way he spoke those lines in that, in that scene, they were barely breathing. It's like, and what, I mean, as an English major, I'm going like, okay, here we're dealing with somebody who we're afraid is not breathing. And now we have this other, we have these people who are in response to that, they're barely breathing so that we can forget this. Everything is just, oh, it's just beautiful. I have three it's, it's about, key it's dreams. About I'm going to, I'm going to do this with three key dreams I've had over the last 45 years. And I'll, I'll be doing that. Like as soon as we are done. Good. <laughs> Alan, thank you. What a gift. Yeah, that's important to do. And, you know, and, and, and yeah, Craig, what, what you talked about with Saving Private Ryan, that, that part just got me, man. Have we mm-hmm. lived a life that my mentor, Dr. Kempler, said is that he believed that one of the things that was a, a big force in all of our lives, which drove us to try to, to please our parents and to cooperate with them was the that we always felt in some way that we were given the gift of life without doing anything to deserve it. Hmm. And, you know, it's back to that theme that was that you, you know, heard in Saving Private Ryan, you know, what did I do to be worthy of this? Right. You know, how do, how do I become worthy of this thing? And, and, you know, it's, you know, I, I love what Tom says, cause he kind of dispelled the whole myth of deserving you know, deserving doesn't mean you've earned it in some way. It just comes. It just is part of what we have because we're here and we've shown up. Mm-hmm. And and I, I just think that that's a one way of coming around it. But the other thing is that we ask ourselves, you know, what am I doing to 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 deserve this gift of life? And that's what I'm things I love about recovery, because now we become a part of what I call being a real citizen, meaning we give back to our community. We give back to our world. Now we're trying to do something to make a difference, even if it's just with our friendships in the program and reaching out to someone who's suffering or whatever it is, is it such a different idea than just taking and taking and taking, right? Is that we're now giving. And it reminds me of this great book that, that uh, Dr. James Hillman wrote. He says, we've had a hundred years of psychotherapy and the world keeps getting worse. we had a hundred years because it it was all a little too focused on taking care of yourself right and and being self-concerned which tom and i would agree that's an important thing but being a value is also a way of being self-concerned in and reaching out and giving to someone who's still suffering and struggling you know makes me feel like a value well, that, that's where that uh, my, I always quote my wife on that, uh, where, where Didi talks about positive selfishness. And, you know, and positive selfishness is, is she defines as self-focused that not only doesn't 
harm anybody else, but it actually benefits others. And, you know, and we're, we're the, we're the, all of us as recovering people are living, breathing proof of that. The, the, you know, the, what we have to share, it doesn't mean we can't be helpful to other people if we're, when we're fucked up. We've, you know, thank goodness. I was always, I'm always grateful that it didn't turn out to be true that you, you can't love anybody else unless you love yourself, because that would have been really bad for me, but because, because you really can, but it's, you can, you can do such a better job of loving other people when you're taking care of yourself and the idea is each each of us with other people that we help whether that be professionally or just just talking to somebody in the grocery store line the fact that we take care of ourselves and that we walk this walk is what makes us more valuable that way and it's it's like that's you know that's that's the piece that that it's not it's not a binary thing it's not i'm going to take care because that's the codependent message which is you're either going to take care of other people or you're going to take care of yourself it's like now I'll choose both, you know, and the idea is I love the idea that that rather than give all my my energy away, which will deplete me and piss me off. No, no end and uh, make me hate myself. If I take if I take you know, I think I call it God's allowance. If I let it all in and share it from there, then I'm always have a, I have an abundant amount of energy to share. If somebody, one of you guys is in a, in a crisis and I need to get there and I get in my car and and I don't have enough gas. I'm going to stop for gas. I'm not going to say, no, 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 car. You know, Carol's too important for this. We must go to Dallas now. You know, it's, it's like we don't have time for that. It's like bullshit. We take care of ourselves so that we can do what you guys are talking about at the end of private rent so that, you, so that you can go out there and earn it. We are being the people that we want to be. I was laying in bed a couple of weeks, weeks ago and um, this phrase popped in my mind and I don't know where it came from. I said to myself, I said, I love myself. And I kind of shocked me. I was like, what? Yeah. I never, ever, ever even thought that I would right. say something like who, that. Who said life. that? Yeah, right. <laughs> who was that? <laughs> exactly. It that was so shocking. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. It, it, I was like, that's the first time, you know, because I'm always so busy beating myself up and self-pity and not good. At, you know how you you know the routine. Well, yeah, okay, but but Craig, do me a favor and, and put. I always point to people's language here. You you you're, you're when you say I, I'm always so busy doing that. That's that's stated as an affirmation, as if it's the truth. Is I have I, in the past I have always been busy doing that. It's like yeah. let it be new. Let it be new. You know, this is brand new to me. This is weird. Whatever it happens to be, but but it's it's like it's. And I love the fact that, I mean, sometimes somebody might be challenged to say that, you know, in, in the middle of a therapy session or whatever, somehow organically, the work you've done brought you to that place where talk about knowing that these guys in our heads, these, you know, these, these, these different people, the committee that Carol's talking about are real. It's like somebody spoke that and it, you know, and it wasn't from a usual place. It's from a place that you, you, you have worked, do, done the work that you need to do to, to, to where you, you have allowed that 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 voice to be there and you're loved oh, and, and you're you don't even have to leave your, your room there to be loved right now that's right <laughs> and since Thanks. love is a verb i think showing up on thursday nights is love and action yeah and the yeah. only reason i don't is if i fell asleep and i'm sorry no we we always we I always, know always tell, i can always tell when you've fallen asleep I go, Carol, okay it's your turn silence yeah because you're still on there we still see your name we know, know you're there we, we there. just we go like that's what alan says is carol, is carol awake it's like you know it's like <laughs> well but, it's, if we were in the same room we'd nudge you that's right. being, at the, being there Thursday nights, doing all the things, wonderful things you're doing. That's self-love, man. That, mm -hmm. So, yeah. yes. Yes, mm -hmm. you do. And it's wonderful. It is wonderful. But what a terrific show this has been, you guys. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you both thank for you. being here. Very a real pleasure. Thank you, guys. It really yeah. has been. It really has been. You both just are... Craig, you were there from the beginning with the meeting with me. Yeah, I showed up and I was like, oh my goodness, this is so good. And I was spreading the word. I was like, you got to check this out. And not everybody picked up on it, but uh, I'm grateful well, that know, I... It's, I'm, it's, a lot of people have. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people have, right, for sure. You know, we're going to, it'll keep growing, man, because it's, you know, yeah. it really is. 
I think it's going to, we're going to realize Bill's dream together. Mm -hmm. I really think we are. I think that this is spearheading a movement now and there's meetings in now Berlin is starting an emotional sobriety meeting on Wednesdays in, in Europe. I mean, it's just taking place, man. People yeah. are excited about these possibilities and that's great news. You know, Alan, I don't know if you've seen my, the endorsement or one of the endorsements I wrote for your new book, but one of them is uh, I suggest that you and Bill W. have been working behind the scenes uh, uh, to, to, to try to bring, bring this into, into, into focus here, even though it's so many years later. It's like, well, in like 52. I mean, it's so funny that you said that in 52 that here yeah. that's published and here's Alan's born, you know, it's Alan's, like that's right. on some yeah. weird way. Are you suggesting that Bill W's like Tupac, that he's still alive somewhere, living on an island and transmitting with, messages with, to with, Alan? He's with he's yeah, he lives with, with John Presley. John Kennedy. He lives with John Kennedy and Elvis Presley. That's right. That's, that's exactly what I meant. You're such Craig, a good listener, Patrick. Craig, Craig, I was gonna I was gonna ask you, Craig, uh, when's your non belly button birthday so I can take a cake with you? At five oh, it's, years, uh, November fifteenth, November fifteenth. Mine's June first. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. It'll be, be five years June first. Huh? Okay. No, no, I'll be uh, I'll be three years June first. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, let me just let me just say thanks, you guys, for being here, and and uh, uh, and don't be surprised if we ask you to come back. This has been enlightening and fun, and and a celebration, I think, of of what support really is too. So, so, and anybody listening, just know that you know if you have if you have a question, you know, always, always, uh, our contact information is on the notes. Yeah, we'll uh, include the email and the show details, and uh, please join us on our Thursday night meetings. We'd love to have you. More the merrier. So, thank you. See you next week. Until next week. It's a spiral, not a circle. Goes round, round, round. For solutions, be your wrong friend. Never see never in either direction. Look in the mirror, trust the reflection.